Hey, podcast listeners. This episode comes from our time at the Silicon Valley VMUG, where we sit down with the leader of the group, Francis Wong. We discuss her experience hiring for a help desk engineer at her company, and we mentioned the age of applicants. Now, by age, we mean years experience, because, of course, you can't hire based on age. So just so you know, when you hear us mentioning their age, we're actually talking about their years of experience. Okay, great. With that clear, on to the show. And welcome back to the Geek Whisperers. I'm Amy Lewis. I'm Matt Brender. And I'm John Mark Troyer. And we are here live, live, live with the fanciest set of microphones I've ever worked with. And hopefully we'll have pictures of them in the blog post. John, they're beautiful. They are thank beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I worked really hard on these, me, me and Amazon. <laughs> no, no, thank you, John. No. <laughs> and we have a rare luxury for the Geek Whispers, which is we are on site here at the Silicon Valley VMUG. And we have a special guest, Francis. And Francis, can you introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Francis, and I am one of the Silicon Valley VMUG leaders here. So I help organize a lot of the meetings associated with the VMUG organization and along with other vendors in the Bay Area to bring new technology in the VMware community and ecosystem to our users here in Silicon Valley. And so Francis and I were having a great conversation. Again, Francis didn't get the warning yet of like, when you talk to me, you end up on the podcast. And so we were having this awesome conversation. It started on any number of topics. We were talking about neuro-linguistic programming and about building rapport quickly. And Francis, I want to talk more. You had recommended this book, which I haven't read yet, but I'm excited too. Yes. So the book is called The Charisma Myth by Olivia Fox Cabane. I hope I got her last name right. But it talks about how there's some people that walk into a room and they naturally have a sense of presence and people gravitate to them. They want to talk to them and they can hold your attention. And Bill Clinton, for example, is one of those people. So charismatic. Very charismatic. And she talks about how people can actually learn some of the techniques and some of the body language, some of the things that they do to become more engaging. It's not that most of us are not nice or kind or whatever you perceive it to be. But it's our body language, the things that we do that really don't give off the right vibe. And so she says, you can learn these techniques to become more charismatic. And then that led us into another conversation about pipeline and hiring in the Valley. And Frances's on-point current challenge of they're losing a key member of their team. And she's looking to hire a little bit differently. So do you want to talk to us about that challenge and what you're thinking? Yeah, this is rather interesting. So I'm losing my help desk guy on Friday. And so we're in the mode of hiring for a new person. And we've traditionally in IT for one of the lower positions, hire younger folks. And because we want to mentor them, we want to bring them up to speed. But the truth is, when you're a help desk technician, you're my floor guy. (laughs) You are the face of IT. You are my PR. So make me look good. (laughs) Seriously, man, don't mess it up for me, right? Because I'm the one in the back pulling the wires, and if you come up to me, I'm like, well, what the hell do you want? I'm over here on the floor digging around on a cable. You want to get paid? I mean, the the, the ADP system's down. What do you want, you know? So I'm like the dragon, right? But the guy on the floor... It's got to be, you know, smiley face and yes, I'll help you. <laughs> I'll hold your hand through this process. And that gives IT a really good positive experience for the users. Because at the end of the day, my users are my customers. 
that's wow. That that brings up so many things for me. Well, yeah. I mean, it, one, it, it resonates with a lot of the stuff we say about social media, right? Because often the trend, at least years ago, was to hire the youngest, shiniest millennial right out of college to run your social media channel for your multi-billion-dollar company, <laughs> right? Right. And if they could spell, that was great. And if not, then well, too bad. <laughs> but it also brings up a really interesting blog post I, that I like from a few years back from Chuck Hollis, friend of the podcast, talking about IT needs a marketing department. Totally. And, and he was more speaking at the strategic level and also at the project level. But, you know, at all, every level, you have internal customers. We're a bunch of geeks. We just sit there. We don't explain why we're doing anything, what our reasoning was. It's no wonder that even if we are connected with the business, that the business doesn't understand that we are. Yeah, we're completely misunderstood. And the example that I was telling Amy about is I used to work at a really large enterprise and you have all your dragons in the back, your DBA, your networking guy, your sys admins, and then you have the help desk guys. And they're usually left out there flailing. They are. I mean, it's just the truth. And I would feel so bad because I'm like, okay, well, I just put this new filer in. Is it working? <laughs> Somebody tell me. And I would go down to the floor and I would go to them, my help desk guys. I'm like, what are you guys seeing? Tell me. What's it look like? What's it smell like? Because at the end of the day, who's consuming my services? It's my users. You have to be focused on your audience. Who are you serving? The help desk guys really, they really respected that. And they appreciated that because they knew, well, don't go to her if it's a one-off. Because that doesn't make any sense. But if it's three of us, let's go tell her. Because she'll listen. Because you need to know. Because you need to know. And you you are responsible for the integrity of something at a scale of, you know, tens to hundreds of people, not one person, one time. So I I see you're you're looking for a partner up front. And I I love this. It's really an example of a lot of relationships that we build and sometimes miss out on in the tech industry where we're like, well, no, that's not my job and that's their job. And, you know, let's talk these back and forth. But you're like, no, that's my peer. And without my peer, I can't do my job well because I keep getting interrupted. So how are you bringing that knowledge into the hiring process? Like, what, what does that look like? Is it a rec that reports up to you and so you're able to really control that? And is this where we get to complain about college kids these days? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's all of that, right? I mean, seriously, I mean, let, let's be real. There's all of that. But really, in this hiring process, actually, we're doing it a little bit differently this time. And we're bringing in the entire spectrum of age groups an entire spectrum of experience. And it has more to do with the person because at the help desk level, it's a little bit, tech skills are not as, the bar is not so high. So as long as there is an openness to learn. So, which is nice. It is literally an entry-level job in a lot of cases. Uh, And in fact, when we tell, we ask people here at, so we're here at the Silicon Valley VMUG, you know, when often when we talk to people who are here, who are, you know, now powerful enterprise architects, that was their first gig. Right. And in help desk, everybody should. I think it's it's always good to have done some customer service at some point. It is because it teaches you how to work with other people, how to walk up to somebody you've never met before and go, are you the one with the mouse problem? (laughs) 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 I mean, you know, talk about icebreaker, right? You learn to be the face and you go out there and you're like, you know, I'm so and so and you have to introduce yourself. You know, they have to look at you with credibility. Ah, you are here to help me. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of layers of it. There's the rapport building element for that individual. There's the understanding how to empathize with somebody with the, the problem that they're having. No matter how smart you are, you still have to speak at a level where somebody gets it. Absolutely. And that, that's a skill set. Are you finding that skill set difficult to 
defined? Because what I'm hearing is you're like, all people welcome, don't care what level you are. But that's also kind of a sign of like, so you're looking for something that resumes aren't really showing right now. And I think that's really interesting as well. Well, this part, I mean, this particular position, if you're going to be talking to people from high up all the way down low and everyone on the floor, you've got to be personable. So if I walk in a room, you got to have a smile, man. You can't be frowning at me because that's exactly what you're going to look like when people walk up to you. And that's not going to work for IT, you know, especially on the floor. They've got to feel welcome. You got to feel like you're there to help them and you're going to walk them through that experience. And that's very easy. When you talk to someone, you get that feeling. And it's more of a gut feeling because you know their body language is correct. Their words are in line with what they're saying. And you get the sense, oh, this person is about helping someone else. They can reach out and do that. And that's really what half the job is about. And I love this, this concept of things that are sort of natural that would be very difficult to coach to. Though, again, you, you pointed out there are books to be read, there are things to be learned if someone feels that, or if they get coaching or feedback, that that might be a skill they need to work on. But in this process, saying that we can fix some of these teachable skills, talk to me a little bit about the diversity in the hiring process. Because I think the other thing it opens up is it really does become an entryway in, like we said, to anybody. To Francis's point, if you have this as a, a broad kind of application process, how do you think through that? I think we all aim for, both legally and because it's the right thing to do, a diverse hiring process. But how do you think this has shaped your thinking and looking for this different kind of help desk? I think it does open the doors for the younger folks because they're not tainted by years of experience. So they come in with a pretty open mind. It also opens it up for a lot of ladies, too, because I find most ladies are more extroverted in the tech industry. A lot of the folks in tech are pretty introverted because they're engineering, they're IT, they're in the background doing stuff. Their daily skill set is not in front of other folks. It's behind a machine. And a lot of times ladies have spent many years with the friends, communication, you know, you do a lot of social events and things like that. So they actually have more of those people skills, if you will. And that is pretty obvious when they come in and they talk to you. I'm, I'm just being honest. <laughs> now, you said for this latest time when you're hiring, did you broaden the, the scope then? Yes, absolutely. We are broadening the scope. I'm like literally from the 20-year-olds to the 60-year-olds. I just want to see who's going to come in, not only fit culturally, but who is going to be able to have relationships with my C staff and with the engineers who are quirky in their own right, right? Because, you know. Right. You can't. That was one of the translation jobs that I'm looking at Amy, that Amy and I, I think, did inside a big company was too often the marketing people, they kind of get off in their own world and they think of the customers as kind of nerds and geeks and mm-hmm. ugh, they're just nerds. Don't talk to them in nerd talk. So <laughs> Amy and I and, and Matt were kind of the nerd translators, like because we actually speak nerd and we like nerds. In the same way, you, you have to have somebody that likes talking to yeah. geeks, right? You can't have somebody that just is, is, you need the customer service skills, but you cannot look down upon the people you are serving, which is, of course, the age-old IT problem of losers and, you know, the bastard operator from hell and you know all that old school stuff like i can't believe my idiot users right you can never get that cynical right so you're also looking for somebody who's not going to be that cynical definitely and i myself having been so removed i call myself a user now when i bring in candidates now i'm like look you're gonna own my user space 
And when you roll something out new, guess who is your first user? It's going to be me, and I am going to test you through the whole rank of your process, and you will learn. Because I am a user, and I'm a, you know what? I'm just as bad as the next guy, to tell you the truth, because I'm so removed from the desktop. So, I mean, you know, you got to be able to do that, and you got to be able to talk to me, because sometimes I don't know what the Wi-Fi password is, you know? <laughs> So you are currently going through this process. What are you finding in terms of, can you make any generalizations or observations uh, about the kinds of people that you're interested in going forward with? You know, seriously, half the job is how well is your presence with my employees? Are they going to feel comfortable working with you? Are you going to project a positive attitude? Are you going to be a shrinking violet and you're going to hide behind the server room door or the inventory room, which <laughs> I mean, I've had I've that totally too, seen right? up. Yeah, that you're just, you're giving me flashbacks to an earlier stage of my career where they absolutely hid and you thought if you went in there, you would break something. So, <laughs> you know, even if your mouse was on fire, you wouldn't dare go get help desk help. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want that, right? <laughs> I, obviously, I, I want someone, but you know, you also look for somebody who has the capability to prioritize as a help desk position for a small company. You're, you're it. You're the face of IT. You're stop number one. So if you have a lot of users coming to you or a lot of tasks, you need to learn how to prioritize. So do you have that capability? But that's pretty general, I think, through all things. How is hiring in Silicon Valley, right? You guys are, I, this is a Silicon Valley user group. You're one of the leaders, so I'm assuming you're local here. Yes. So in Silicon Valley, I have people asking me, do I need to move to Silicon Valley to get a tech job? And I'm like, well, that's great. I mean, can you sleep on a couch? Because, uh, you know, I, I, don't know <laughs> yeah, you I don't know if you can get an apartment here. But, <laughs> but the other challenge is even talking at a big company like VMware or a small startup, everyone's like, I can't find the right people. There's just, there's too many jobs, oh, not gosh. enough people. That's what we were just saying. Yeah, the pipeline issue, because Francis was saying, like, it's oh, that challenging. that is such a struggle. And it has been a struggle. I have had this struggle for many years here in Silicon Valley. At the senior level, when we try and bring folks in and we're looking for mid to senior level skill set, it's hard to find people, number one. Number two, I want to see more young faces. And I'm not seeing enough. And that speaks to the pipeline. I don't have enough people who are coming in at the junior level that are spending years in IT, learning the craft, and getting that backhand knowledge. So we were talking about what were some of the outreach possibilities to seed the community, because Francis also had a series of good points about it is mysterious. Like you can say one thing, or you write down a job description, a very clinical thing you might see somewhere on LinkedIn, but it doesn't give you the kind of the sense, the excitement, the passion I love it, you know, the sexiness, if you will, <laughs> yeah. of our industry. And we were talking about this is not a, a whining fest because Francis and I both said, you know what, we recognize every day how lucky we are to work in an industry with good people, smart people, well-paying, and just an exciting industry. So how is it we're having these pipeline problems? How are we not translating that to that next generation? Yeah, I wonder, you know, and this is just me wondering out loud. Uh, I know some of the other VMUG leaders in other parts of the country are starting to work with colleges to introduce them to the back-end operations of IT and virtualization and what we do. And it's just not, it's not well talked about. It's not very sexy, as we were saying. And I, I recognize that a lot of the college students, the courses that they take, they talk about a lot in theory what happens in a micronism. What happens in Unix? What, do you, what command do you use here to bring MySQL up? What happens here in Windows and how it ties in? And maybe you can go to Microsoft's website and you can see some of their trainings. 
But in IT, on the backend side, you don't see the entire ecosystem. Like, I own everything behind the server door. From it coming in from AT&T all the way down to my wireless access point on the Cisco side, all the way back to the authentication to AD. Now, that's a big responsibility, and that doesn't get glamorized. People don't see that, and it is a big responsibility, and we don't have a lot of people who are skilled to come in and take ownership of it. And there's a bit of fear, too. I do see that with some admins. There's fear for taking over some of the larger aspects of that a job that encompasses that entire environment. So you've got this gap in between the college students who are hearing about theory, learning the right skills, but then there's a gap of what I own. I own this entire ecosystem. How do you get from college theory to where I'm, where I'm at? No one has shown you the rope. It is kind of a black mist. You almost have to have that kind of experience, and so much of it is systems and problem-solving and troubleshooting and things like that. That's stuff you can't really learn out of a book, I don't think. No, but no one shows you that path. Well, and also talking about pipeline, right? We talk a lot about, we don't necessarily on this podcast, but in society we've talked a lot about pipeline, especially for underrepresented groups, but often it translates into learning how to code. And that's a very specific kind of skill. It works for some people, and that's an entry point into the industry, but... Actually, the people in this convention center today, most of them don't code at all. Nope. No, nope. I don't do a lot of coding. I mean, I can script if I need to, but coding, not necessarily. And um, it's not one of those well-publicized industries. But when they do find out, they know that you have the luxury of this job industry, which is in high demand. Everybody needs IT people. Everybody needs very well-skilled IT people. I feel like this is our opportunity. So, Francis, give us a little bit of a day in the life. I, I feel like if anybody's capable of giving us, uh, you know, the PR pitch of your job, because I want to work with Francis now. Frankly, I'm sold. So <laughs> the Charisma book is very effective. I want to read it. She's, she's got me. So tell us a little more about it. This is an opportunity to kind of take people so they can share this podcast out with somebody who might be interested, that next generation. Sure, sure. Um, I'll just give you a taste of what I'm facing right now. And some of the things I've done in the last six to eight months. And this dovetails very well with what's happening in the industry, too, in tech. I changed out our firewall. We went from Cisco to Palo Alto. I think that resonates with a lot of people in the Valley, and that's probably going to spread because Palo Alto is very popular. And I'm doing that partly because Palo Alto has a better interface, and he's got a better product for security, etc., and were you part of the process to evaluate which group you'd go with, et cetera? Like, oh, is that part of it? Absolutely. Yeah. So you yeah. do a lot of, of testing evaluation. It's not just behind, you get to be part of modern technology, if you will. Because I think maybe people get this idea of like, you go and turn the crank every day and it's same old, same old. There is some of that in IT, especially depending on business budgeting requirements and where each organization is going. Because it's different from manufacturing to retail, to software companies, their life cycles might be a little different. And also, we're at that point in time where a lot of IT is, are you in-house or are you out-of-house? Meaning, do you have infrastructure inside? How much cloud services are we using? Also, I moved our in-house voice system, phone system, out to the cloud. A whole other set of skills that traditional, you know, IT 10 years ago probably wouldn't have had or wouldn't, I mean, the capabilities probably weren't there 10 years ago. Yeah, capabilities weren't there, but also, you know, so I'm selecting vendors, I'm talking to vendors, asking them challenging questions, talking about what it takes to migrate, what we lose, what we don't lose. You're learning about what your user's experience is going to be like, what's going to change about it. All of those aspects 
come to play on an everyday basis. And obviously the point in time problems. And all of a sudden you're now doing IT in the cloud where you weren't before, right? Which yes. is a whole other skill set that people have to pick up in-house. Yes, and that is actually all over the place. Interestingly enough, I know that we're here with VMUG supporting VMware and all their ecosystem, but the cloud is not just virtualization. It's not just compute. It's also my phone system. It's also the services that Palo Alto provides from a malware and you know spyware report. That goes out to them and comes back in the sense that it's a cloud service as well, right? So all of that is happening at the IT level today. And that is something that I see every day. And technology is changing at that kind of pace. And a lot of shops are looking at this because, I hate to say it, IT shops are getting a little smaller because of some of these services. And like you said, managing the cloud, it's different. The experience is different. You give some and you take some, but you lose some too. Well, but it seems like, you know, I know there's a fear that jobs will disappear with the cloud with, you know, you write a script that has a, a, a right or wrong answer. I remember Robert Reich in a book years ago said, if you have a job where you can write a script and there's a yes or no, you can have your job shipped out. You know, it, you can lose that. It can be automated. But the point is more and more businesses, as we're saying, there's still intense demand for this set of skills because the skills may evolve and change, but more businesses are having to put more emphasis on their IT departments to compete as a business. So even though if ID departments, your whole team might be smaller within the organization, then two new companies that have popped up need to build IT departments or have deeper needs for IT where they, they might not have done it before. I haven't seen the industry overall shrink. It's just how it's distributed may change and the skills involved may change. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that that hybrid skill set, and a lot of it is managing vendors. And here we are talking outside, outside of your cubicle again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not just sitting typing things into a terminal. You are, uh, like you say, managing vendors, managing service levels, doing that sort of thing. As an IT manager, how much do you feel that your, some of your projects are driven by needs of the business? How much do you have to understand what the business is doing? Because I mean, we talk about that sometimes in terms of IT skill. Like, is it interoperable? Can you work in finance as well as you can work in health? Or are there... Well, that's a, that's a good question. I was just more even thinking about, you know, the firewall swap out and the, the telephone system. Was that driven by needs to save costs, just need to upgrade cycle? Was the business asking you for this? I need better phones. And getting back to our conversation, I guess, as a technologist, how much do you need to know about the business side? Well, the first two for sure, and the last one, no, in this particular instance. So, yes, IT department is not getting bigger. When I first came into this company, I'm like, I can't manage all this. This is too much. This is too much infrastructure. There's no need for this to be in-house. And based on the size of the business, and what the business is doing, we didn't need some of this in-house. So I'm like, okay, roadmap. This got to be get out of get out of out of my bucket of things to do because <laughs> I got plenty of other things to do. This should not be here. We shouldn't need this. And the business doesn't rely on the phone system to run. Wow, what a shift! I mean, that alone is kind of an amazing thought, right? Well, you think about it, everybody's using their mobile phones yeah. anyway. So okay, the VoIP guys failed. So what? You're using your iPhone anyway. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, there's a moot conversation there now, right? And I think that that's changing for a lot of smaller companies, too. If you think about it, if there are only a couple hundred people and everybody's got a cell phone, well, do you really need a huge corporate phone system? Not so much, right? And that's where we came in. So IT staff not going to get any bigger. But also technology refresh. Yes, our phone system was up. It was going to be a quarter million. And I'm like, and it's going to be 15000 to go to Boyd. Uh, there's a brain dead decision for you. Right, right, right. <laughs> Even if you have all the budget in the world, why would you do that? <laughs> 
Right. The new platform, just so much cheaper and, and so much more cost effective. So now, did they take all that budget away from you or were you able to recycle that into some other projects? I'm in a very, very odd place. I don't have much budget problems. So that was just a business decision upon my part and my counterpart. And we're like, yeah, no, let's not make it hard on ourselves here. Let's go ahead and go to the cloud for this solution and take the hardware out of our closet. This does not make sense. Business sense, financial sense, lined up. The business did not ask me for it. Hey, so going back to the pipeline for a minute, and you talked about, I mean, we framed this by looking at your initial opening of uh, somebody on the front line help desk, and you, you were willing to look for folks of all ages, and we talked about the skill shortage. You think that IT, especially getting into the help desk part of it and the service orientation part of it, is a good second or third career for somebody who is looking to retool, who is not straight out of college, you know, who is 40, 50, 60? Yeah, I don't think I have a problem with it, especially if you have great people skills. Uh, when you first start out on the help desk, we expect you to be pretty shallow on the technical side anyway. I think if you're open to learning and open to being flexible about learning about technology and helping other people out, that's really all I'm looking for. And the rest can come, you know, because as individuals, we all have strengths and weaknesses. I'm looking for specific strength because I need to utilize. I need to leverage that strength. And we'll try and make up for your weaknesses, but that's what all teams should be doing. Amazing. It makes so much sense. And it's really just a great story of the opportunities in IT to retool. I mean, let's be honest, like at a macro level, there's a lot of industries that are going to hell right now. Technology is growing. There are some roles where like, you feel like you have to have a computer science degree to even start. This is not one of them. Like, this is a great place that if you just enjoy talking to people about technology, you would be amazing. And if you're not scared of the technology. Yeah, that's the other factor. Absolutely, John. So I want to point something out very clearly. My bachelor's is in English. (laughs) I feel like we should have a mic drop moment, but they're really expensive mics. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also an English major. I think this is, uh, again, more rapport building. Like Francis and I talked about books to start the conversation. It should have been a tip off. They're really avid readers, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and we, we talk to a lot of people, right, who have no formal training, who just got to either self, self-taught or just got into it or fell into a help desk role of, of some sort and then just... But, she, but that person who is going to stay in the career has to, like, have all those characteristics you talked about, has to be curious, has to be personable, has to... Can we, we use the passion word a lot, but, you know, that you have to stay interested in what you're doing, right? Even, even if you're just swapping out cables or have you turned it off and turned it back on again? <laughs> yeah, so I, I, there... There's a lot of folks out there that they enjoy interacting with other people and helping other people. And that's really what we're looking for at the help desk level. Some people like to stay there. For folks that want to move up, you do have to be very interested in the technology and you have to spend your own time on it. That will separate you from the rest. When you are willing to spend the time on the technology, you know, like myself, I geek out. at I'm, I'm at home and I'm like looking at the VMware, you know, training stuff and then take out, you know, micro segmentation for dummies. And I'm like reading it, <laughs> my feet up on the couch. But this is the stuff I do at home. And You light a candle and just hang out with some, <laughs> some music. Yeah, I'm like totally my feet are up. But that's what I'm doing at home to, you know, and, and if I find it interesting and I apply it the next day at work. But, you know, that's, that is the kind of people that will grow more in the, into this industry. But if you don't, you go home, you got to feed your kids. Trust me. That's another job to begin with. (laughs) (laughs) 
So we always like to ask one question. This has been an amazing conversation and so much positive advice. But if you had one thing sort of in your career path, in hiring practices, in interviewing that you would counsel this group we're trying to bring in, what would you tell somebody never, ever do this again? I don't know if it's a mistake, but I'm going to shock people by quoting Justin Bieber. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, baby. (laughs) And the quote is, never say never. I'll leave you with that one. Oh, what's the story there? I can't end it there. It is exactly what it is. Because some people say, I will never do this, or I'm too good for this, or whatever it is. Don't say never. Mm -hmm. Don't limit yourself, huh? Don't. Yeah. Yeah, because you never know what's on the other side. Yeah. If you don't try it. I love it. So, Francis, if people are looking to connect with you online, how can people follow up? They can totally find me on LinkedIn. I'm literally Francis underscore Wong on LinkedIn. And my Twitter is at Francis underscore Wong. (laughs) Very convenient. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today here on the Geek Whispers. Thanks for having me. And until next time, the Geek Whispers are out. You've been listening to the Geek Whispers podcast. Tune in on iTunes or Stitcher for regular stories of technology careers, cultures, and lives. Share it with a friend or invite us to an event through our website, geek-whispers.com. Find us on Twitter at geek underscore whispers or at jtroyer, mjbrender, and comms ninja. Thanks for listening and see you next time. beautiful microphones we have. (laughs) I hope that was recorded. (laughs) Oh my God, beautiful. My precious. (laughs) My precious.